Welcome back to Everyday Disciples, the show where we strive to be like Jesus wherever we are. My name is Adam, and I'm one of the producers and editor of this podcast. We are grateful that you've chosen to spend your time and attention with us today. In this episode, myself, Aiden, and Pastor Matthew will take a deep dive into the Psalms. Who wrote them, why they were written, what they are, how to use them as devotionals, and how to read them. Again, thanks so much for listening. Be blessed. Well, welcome back to another episode of Everyday Disciples. Uh, I'm here with Aiden and Pastor Matthew to talk about the Psalms. So one of the things that uh, I love about the Psalms is you can use them as devotional pieces um, in the morning at night. They're um, relatively quick to read. Um, But I want to start just with throwing out a question since Pastor Matthew is actually in a Psalms class right now, and uh, Aiden is in seminary, probably studying the Psalms as well, like, what are the Psalms? When we talk about the Psalms, what are they? Or what does the word Psalms mean? Psalms are, are, you know, poetry. I've heard them referred to in lots of different ways, Um, like the Book of Psalms, sometimes as like the hymnal of the, um, the Israelite church, basically, uh, songs, prayers, poetry that uh, shaped kind of the spiritual life of Israel. Um, so you got all sorts of all sorts of different things in there, which, you know, when you actually start to read through, so one of the things that I've got to do in the class is read all of the Psalms in order and write a little bit about each one in the course of seven weeks. So it's like we are trucking through these babies. And um, as you start to kind of read through there a little bit, you, you see uh quite the spectrum of human emotion, human feeling, human experience in there, even some things that sort of raise an eyebrow like that's that's God's word. Really? Psalms comes from the Greek word psalmoi, I believe it is. Matthew might have to verify my my Greek pronunciations. Um and that comes from the Hebrew word I believe it's tehillim. And that means praises or hymns. So the Psalms are a book of praises and of prayers and of songs and poetry, like Matthew said. And I find it really fitting that it's in the, the center of the Bible. The, the dead center of what we have as the Bible today is the Psalms. Um, yeah, the song, the song book and the prayer book of the nation of Israel that has been used and still is used by, by many faith traditions today as... A, exactly that, a, a, a book of songs and of prayers. And like Matthew said, some of that stuff is just, it's its pretty crazy that this is is the word of God, but it is brutally honest. And it is, is very frank and very blunt at times. And I find a lot of comfort in a lot of the Psalms because of those very reasons. Mm. Mm-hmm. The tradition I uh, grew up in, the Christian Reformed tradition, actually for a long time in their history, only sang the Psalms. So they have a uh, a saw or, or a song for every for every hymn, and that's at the the front of the old gray hymnal. And uh, to this day, they still uh, would sing Psalms, um, especially in churches that um, are following more tightly a, a traditional liturgy. 
Right. And they're, and they're used a lot in more traditional liturgies and stuff. There's, um, you kind of recognize phrases and stuff lifted out of various Psalms that are kind of assembled into different liturgies across all different denominations. Um, you know, our denomination among others, um, will, will sing the Psalms in worship as they are like chant them. Um, that's, still a thing that happens in, in different churches. We don't do that so much here. Although the, the LCMS lectionary has a psalm paired. With, yeah, there's a with, psalm. With each week. Yeah, yeah so the, the lectionary is kind of a, a schedule of appointed readings uh, for in a three-year cycle, and it includes an Old Testament reading, a New Testament letter, a gospel, and a psalm for every, every Sunday of the year, even like every festival and things like that throughout the year. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's a part of all the different readings that are used. Yeah, growing up, going to uh, my grandma's church in New Era, the pastor always opened with a psalm every time. That was the the tradition in the liturgy. Um, so who wrote the psalms? Well, most people will probably, if they know anything about it, they'll probably say David wrote the psalms because he wrote a lot of them, but David did not write all of them. Uh, we got Moses wrote a psalm. There's psalms from Solomon. There's psalms from different priests. There's some that aren't uh, attributed to anybody. And um, you know, when you read through the psalms, you might notice kind of there's that little what's called the superscription at the top, where sometimes there's little notes there, like uh, a psalm of David, or it'll it'll even say what seems like some weird stuff, like, you know, to the choir master, um, you know, according to, uh, and then it's something that is a tune maybe or something, or it sets it like a, a Psalm of David when Saul was pursuing him. Um, you know, that's all scripture too. That's all part of, of God's word in there. Uh, most of us, I, I've always sort of just trained myself to just jump right over it um, and get to actually the verse. But uh, yeah, it, it tells us a little bit about maybe the context of a particular Psalm or what was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, they're the sons of Korah, I believe, are right, a bunch some of, of the Psalters. Yep. Um, some of Solomon, even. Uh, Asaph is another one of the Psalters. Um, yeah, we can kind of look at them as like the the worship leaders of their day. So they're the Adam Vanderstelts of, of the... <laughs> so help us. <laughs> uh, which, uh, which psalm was written by Moses? Yeah, Psalm 90. Psalm 90. Yep. Prayer of Moses, the man of God. So that's probably one of the older ones. Right. Yeah, and then there's others that we don't know who wrote them or what circumstances and when. And um, there's some questions about, like, because obviously the the chapter and verse things were added later. Um, but there's there's some questions about, like, a, a couple different psalms that are close to each other that it's like, mm, that's all sort of like one big flow of thought there. Or was that just one song that got divided up? Um, or was it just, were they two separate things that were placed together because they're uh, similar in thought? And Yeah. And they're arranged into books, too. There's books within Psalms, so there's there's five five books within there that that some have kind of drawn some parallels between like the five books of Moses or the the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Um, I don't know how much you can really kind of make that case because there's there's some parallel themes or ideas, but then you find those same ideas in all the other books. So where did those um, divisions come from? Those book divisions. Uh, that's kind of a little bit of a later development before the time of Jesus, but, uh, 
you know, it's when, when the Psalms were assembled into kind of one collection, uh, they were kind of assembled first into to smaller books and And then, so how, how do we get the Psalms as they are in our Bible? Is it, is it a bunch of different fragments that have been found? Um, like how many different sources are there of the, of the Psalms? I'm, yeah, now you're getting questions that I don't know the answer to off the top of my head. I, I mean, we have, for all the Old Testament books, we've got, we've got complete scrolls. Now they're not like the original scroll that David wrote, but we've got, we've got complete books of the the old testament mm-hmm. all together in their current form and, and like a lot of the old testament you can assume that the psalms were probably passed on orally more than they were written and so passed on from generation to generation written down at some point by some people and then passed on to the next people so these psalms have probably been in circulation well before they were written into scrolls but then they were kind of put concretely probably into uh, what we now see as our book of psalms as Pastor Matthew was mentioning, there's just a there's a wide spectrum of human emotion, specifically from David. Um, how are we meant to interpret that as we read through the Psalms? Because yeah, the the Psalms kind of um, there's a lot of lot of different feelings within the Psalms. Feels like there's a lot of lament in the Psalms, a lot of lot of crying out for deliverance. Um, that's not, I, I wouldn't say that's necessarily the, the predominant theme within there. There's also a lot of joy, a lot of worship, a lot of thanksgiving, um, recognizing God, uh, for who he is and calling on him. Um, but, but there is a lot of that, oh, what we might call like, like dark emotion in there. Um, negative emotion, if you can call it that, uh, that, that comes through there. And I, I think it's a, it's just an honest picture of humanity. I was saying before we we started recording here that as I was the Psalms that I've been reading through right now, the the portion of the class that I'm in, um, we're reading through like the '60s Psalms, and so many of them, it's just lament after lament after lament. It's like man, and and those are all David Psalms right there. Um, even though he's not the only one who wrote the lament stuff, there's lament from other people too but it's like man did david ever have a good day <laughs> right now it just seems like david's life was two things came to mind david like hardly ever had a good day it feels like right now and boy this guy had enemies like because every everything's about you know lord deliver me from my enemies and, and i kind of wonder like you know, the average person reading that today how many of us actually have enemies that we need deliverance from, like a personal, like David's talking about a personal enemy, and you know a lot of the times that's Saul, but Saul's not the only one pursuing David uh, at different times. Uh, how many of us actually have a personal enemy where maybe we can think of enemies as like a situation that's kind of an enemy to me in a way of speaking, or uh, circumstances that I find myself in that are you know, an, an enemy to me in a way. Mm-hmm. Or, or maybe even temptations or something. Could sure, you, Could sure. you interpret yep. it like that? Yep. Like we said before, I, I love how brutally honest the Psalms are. And and for for that reason, how beautiful Scripture is. The Word of God as 
telling the story of the human condition not as it should be, but as it is and as it really is. Um, you can probably read a lot of the Psalms and think, man, David's theology probably isn't great because it's constantly him being like, strike down my enemy, like take them off the face of the earth. It's like, sheesh, David had a lot of enemies, like you said, Matt. Right. Um, and although I think where I, where I see David being, where his theology might be a little bit, it caused me at least to raise my eyebrows a few times mm-hmm. is, is not so much the, the strike down my enemies stuff. Like that's mm-hmm. just human. We all want that. Yeah. It's, it's the God. I'm so great. Uh, I'm so righteous. Would you hear my prayer now? And I'm like, Oh, but David, are you mm-hmm. <laughs> like David? Cause, you're, cause two you're Psalms so ago. Right. You were not <laughs> right. Exactly. And, and that's, and, but you know, that's also the human condition of, we as, as Lutherans, we have the language of we're, we're saint and sinner simultaneously. We're both of those things. Um, the good stuff we do, it's tainted by sin. The bad stuff we do, God looks at us and sees us as a saint because of Jesus. Um, so we, we do get to be both of those things. And we, and we see David wrestle with that too, where, where he, you know, God, I'm, I'm, I'm righteous. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to follow you. I'm trying to be righteous. And then at the end of that, you know, very same Psalm, it's the God I failed and I need your cleansing. I need your restoration. Uh, make me whole. So it's, yeah. it's the human condition yeah. there. A lot of how we read scripture needs to be through two lens. Is it descriptive or is it prescriptive? So descriptive meaning it's descriptive. So it describes something that is actually happening. So narrative would be descriptive. Prescriptive would be like the epistles or the writings of Paul um, and anything that Jesus does. It's prescribed. So it's given to us as something we are then called to do. I read a lot of the Psalms as descriptive, things that have happened to David, emotions he is feeling very honestly and not hiding anything from God. Not necessarily promoting those things like the striking down of our enemies. We're not told, hey, you should go do that. I do see it a bit prescriptive in its honesty and in its vulnerability and in its dependence on God. But I think a lot of what David is feeling, I think we we see it described in real time. Like this is how this man was feeling in this exact moment. And this is the cry out to God that he is making, given his circumstances, given the the difficulties he's facing in this current situation or in, in the joy that he is feeling, because there are a lot of songs of ascent and lots of songs of praise and, and worship and thankfulness, as well as all the ones of lament, like Matthew was talking about, or in anger with God or in just in true confusion and fear. Like there's a, there's a, a Psalm for probably every human emotion, right. which I think is, is tremendously beautiful. Well, I was just thinking as a worship leader, it's really easy to find songs that are um, that have a joyful tone or songs of ascent or thanksgiving. I'm wondering why you guys think that it's harder to find songs that are confessional or that are songs of lament. Well, I, culturally you've got we, we don't like we don't like lament. We don't like uh Others who complain, we might like to complain ourselves, but to be around somebody else who's complaining, um, you know, that gets draining pretty quick. And so there's also sort of a, an emphasis of like, we want to have it all together, we want to put on the happy face and, and look like we've got the, the perfect life and everything. Um, so I, for me, not in, in music, but like in the service, uh, the opportunity that we have at the beginning of every service to to take off that mask, even if only for a second for someone to confess our sins before one another. Um, you know, that's a, that's an important thing for us to do. Um, you know, certainly to, to, 
to sing that is is appropriate as well. Um, I, I think though for for us as Christians, like uh, certainly it's okay to to lament, it's okay to to struggle and all those things, but we're also uh, we're also filled with joy in the middle of our lament. And you know that helps the the joy that we have in Jesus and the hope that we have in Jesus pulls us through and and even out of the the lament that we find ourselves in. I'm curious um, how you guys personally use Psalms uh, as uh, as a devotional tool, or maybe some of your favorite Psalms or your favorite Psalm. I use the Psalms as the kind of preparation for my mind and my heart in my daily time with, with God. Um, I always open my quiet time with at least two Psalms, maybe even more. I try to go through the Psalms um, consecutively. I think the Psalms is probably the book of the Bible I've read through the most, just because I'm always cycling through it. And I think that just puts me into the heart posture of understanding, like, whatever I am feeling at whatever time of day I'm having my quiet time, when I'm, when I'm devoting that time to God, whatever feelings I am bringing into it, I can honestly bring those to God. And I think the Psalms remind me of that and tells me that the way that I am feeling or the way that I long to feel or the things I long to know are welcome in that time with the Lord. And I, I just see it as, as very much like a heart preparation tool, the Psalms for me. My favorite Psalms, I always go back to Psalm 91, um, which I think during COVID was the Psalm that everybody prayed like every single day. And like the Lord is my is my shelter and my refuge. And then there's also uh, Psalm 131, which is only three verses. So I'm going to read it real quick. Um, but it's titled, I have calmed and quieted my soul. O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. But I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. As somebody who struggles with uh, not so much external silence, but internal. Like I always have my brains always racing. This is one of the Psalms that kind of just brings me back down to just calm and quiet my soul. Lord, help me to do that. And that is usually the the posture I want to bring into to my time with him so that I can focus on whatever he is trying to do in my heart. And I, I kind of maybe fall a little differently where Psalms are not... Uh, a place that I go often in my own private devotion. Um, certainly, you know, different reading plans that I've done in the past have you know, gone through all the Bible or, you know, uh, big chunks of the Bible and Psalms are a part of that. Uh, it's not normally the place that I think to go to first. I'm you know, more the Gospels, more Paul's stuff, um, even other chunks of the Old Testament. Uh, but there are there are individual psalms that that I do really resonate with and uh, personally and pastorally have used multiple times in multiple different ways. It, and that's kind of this course that I'm in is actually um, the Psalms for Spiritual Care, which is kind of an interesting spin on on an Old Testament uh, book like this. But so you know we're kind of like looking at how could for every single psalm what potential uses does this have in kind of the realm of spiritual care? Um, I mean, there's, there's obvious ones that, that come to mind, like Psalm 23 at a funeral. I mean, if I had a nickel for every time somebody wanted to use that at a funeral, and it's, there's reason you can see when you read it, why it's such a very comforting Psalm. 
um, for, for me, you know, one one that uh, I'm often drawn to is uh, Psalm 8. Uh, favored by a short one too. I'll, I'll read this one here. Um, o Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens out of the mouth of babies and infants. You have established strength because of your foes uh, to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look to the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him. You've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor given him dominion over the works of your hands, and you have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, all the beasts of the field, all the birds of the heaven, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. It's For me, that's just you know been a great kind of uh, a good prayer, a good psalm to kind of remember like my relationship to God, that for those times where I start to think like I'm, I'm pretty big and important in my own world that I'm a, I'm a speck and and God is, you know, so much greater than me. And, and yet, uh, God has, has given us as, as human beings, a pretty important role, uh, within his creation. And, and so just kind of getting everything in the right orientation there. Well, for me, I've had a hard couple of years in my personal life. Um, so Psalm 46 has been of great benefit to me and uh, I'd like to read just a little bit of it as well. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose stream make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fail. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fail. He lifts his voice and the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Um, and maybe even um, in that psalm is where we get a, a mighty fortress is our God. Mm-hmm. One of our favorite hymns. Well, anything else that we want to think you, about? As you, we, you left out a word as you were reading through there. Did I leave out a word? You left out a word like that showed up twice. Or maybe it wasn't in the translation that you were using. Uh, it might not have been. So a word that uh, that shows up in lots of the Psalms that, that you might like scratch your head over. Selah. Selah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it isn't yeah. in my translation. Yeah. It, but uh, could you explain that? Yeah. Uh, uh, no, actually, I can't. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can explain it. It's the, it, it's the name of every worship leader's first daughter. <laughs> Selah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a word that, that, that pops up in lots of different psalms, um, and it, it is one that we really don't know what it means. Um, there's, there's lots of different theories about it. It's uh, some, some things that's sort of like a you know, stop and, and pause here, uh, maybe a musical term, maybe uh, you know, some other kind of instructional word or something like that. But yeah, we, we don't actually know 100% what that word means. Usually, I think most of the time we kind of think it probably just means pause, stop and reflect maybe on what you just, uh, what you just prayed or sang or however you were using that, uh, within the Psalm. But one of the, one of those words you might encounter in there. Well, anyway, thanks guys, uh, for our conversation here on the Psalms. Um, I pray that those of you who are listening will find it helpful and that you can use the Psalms as a devotional tool in the near future. So thanks again, guys.
Thanks for listening to Everyday Disciples. Everyday Disciples is part of the online ministry of St. Matthew Lutheran Church in Grand Rapids. We're striving to be followers of Jesus wherever we are, and we hope you'll join us on that journey. If you found this podcast helpful in your spiritual journey, we'd be honored if you would rate us and review us wherever you listen. It helps people find us and get the good news about Jesus out there to the world. If you've got questions or suggestions for things that you'd like to hear about on Everyday Disciples, let us know with an email to media at stmatthewgr.com.